0: Sunday. How you feeling? How you feeling? Hopefully you feeling good. I'm feeling great, right? Feeling inspired, feeling focused, feeling connected. Um, thanks for tapping in. Thanks for tapping in. Today we got a very, very special episode of Pivotal Moments. You know on Sundays I like to just edify a light on other leaders out there and one the recovery and sobriety space but just two in the world and just who are doing amazing things and, and and this guest i have this sunday from from the pacific northwest will will not only shock you but amaze you with one the amount of things that she's been through in her life but two how she's overcame those and transformed her pain into purpose wow guys like i am I'm, I'm super excited for you guys if you don't know We are hosting a True Development Summit where we're going to help you develop as a leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, the whole 360 all around, every aspect of life. Head over to TrueDevelopmentSummit.com. Get registered now, man. I can't wait to see you guys there. Um, Until Wednesday, I'll see you guys on Wednesday with a brand new mindset, Uh, but just enjoy this episode of Pivotal Moments. Yeah, I love you guys. to be here with a true inspirator and a speaker, motivator, I mean, just a true game changer in all the spaces, also a champion for recovery. Um, I, I I don't want to take away from what this lady has done. I'm just going to let her introduce herself. Please, Michelle, tell everybody wh- uh, who you are, what you do, and how are you.
1: Hey, I'm so happy to be here. My name is Michelle Smith, and I am the founder of Recovery is the New Black, which is a digital community for women who are living or exploring an alcohol-free life. And I started my sobriety journey back in 2016 after a lot of trial and tribulation in my life. And since then, I've become an advocate, like you said, Jay, and just trying to change the narrative around mental health and substance abuse as I have gone through these hardships and seasons in my life. And so, you know, when we think about pivotal moments and where my life is today compared to where I was, I am not standing here as the same person who I was years and decades ago. And I think that that goes to say for a lot of people, I think each season of our life brings hardships, brings a lot of beauty, it brings a lot of chaos, it brings mess. But at the end of the day, everything that we go through brings us to the stronger version of who we used to be. And you know, when I think about hardships, I you know, I have to go back to just preferencing preferencing it with, I had a really good, and I know when people say like air quotes, really good childhood, I think all of us are leaving our childhoods with trauma of things that we wouldn't do and things that we want to continue to instill in our children that were really significant and positive in our childhoods. And so, you know, I can go back and say, I had the perfect the perfect kind of childhood looking in that, you know, my basic needs were taken care of. But the hard part that people don't know is that I grew up with an alcoholic family and it's a really invalidating environment because from the outside, everything looked beautiful. We took vacations, you know, my, my family were all doctors. And so you have the status quo of, this is what you have to look like, and this is how you resemble yourself in a community. And behind the scenes, it was so different. The trauma and not knowing how dad was gonna act, if he was gonna be happy and wanna play, if he was going to be intoxicated and I was gonna hide. And so I became a product of my environment. And I really had this example that said, I don't wanna become an alcoholic. I wanna break the generational curse and I wanna show that there is a different way. And so I went to school and really strived to start working in a profession, not necessarily that is going to be as a physician, but I'm going to work in the field to make a change and have an impact on this world. And so, you know, I got through college and I was like, you know what, I want to build this family. I decided to build this family. And you know, I think it's really cliche when you insert the mommy wine culture, but I had this moment where my life was so full, rich and beautiful. And within what felt like a moment in time, once I had my daughter, my world, which was supposed to be the most beautiful, glorious time in my whole life, became the hardest season of my life. And the reason I'm saying that is, is it was hard. I became a mother as I was losing my mother. I had my husband get deployed to war. I had a stroke. I was diagnosed at that point with postpartum depression, which I started having these, you know, just not feeling right, being depressed, being all moody, being anxious, not wanting to live all at the same time. And I didn't know what was going on with me. And so I started coping. I started reaching for these external solutions to these internal problems. I felt like I was failing at life. I felt like I was a bad mom because, you know, I was working full-time and I felt like a bad employee because I was trying to find balance and be a mom. And insert pills, insert alcohol, insert anything that's gonna escape my own reality and make me feel a little bit better. And I kept drinking for a really, really long time. I was what people consider a functioning alcoholic. If I would get everything done and I'd have my hair done and, you know, have this whole view of what, you know, the modern day mom looks like and trying to balance everything. And inside, I was just literally crumbling and dying inside. And it took me, you know, years of this tolerance being built for me to finally start having external consequences to my consumption of alcohol. You know, we say those consequences look like, you know, oh, well, I have a hangover, I called in sick to work and, you know, there's nothing really wrong with me. Everybody does these things and I'll stop drinking once, like there's there's a reason to, right? Like I haven't yet had a DUI or had my partner leave me. And, you know, as I'm waiting for these excuses to say, you know what, I can continue to self-destruct, these consequences started happening where I was losing my jobs. My family was saying, hey, this is enough. I was ending up in the hospital in lieu of being taken into custody. And I just kept wanting to go until this pivotal moment where I would say was, mortality motivation i was laying there in the hospital after my fourth overdose with a blood alcohol level of .43. i was suicidal there was child protective services involved and i had i
0: think i lost you
1: chasing this version of self-soothing and of you know this euphoria of teleporting myself to this feeling of just i want to feel normal i want to feel better i don't understand why i can't stop and i was literally killing myself and re- you know referencing back to what my the doctor said in the hospital is michelle take the snapshot this polaroid picture of you that says Like, this is your life. This is where you're going to be if you continue to pick up. You are one drink away from death. And I think it took that hard, tough, you know, just that hard love that was just like, this is your reality. You are a person who can't drink. You cannot do it. You are doing it for the wrong reasons. And until you realize that this is the one thing, Michelle, that you can't do, It leaves endless possibilities of things that you can do. And I waited for that glimmer of hope and that one moment of clarity that told me, I can do this just for today. I want to live more than I want to die. And I took that moment and I ran with it. And I said, I can do anything for 24 hours and started making little promises to myself that I could keep and really celebrating every small victory, whether it was an hour with no substances in my body and starting to love and nurture myself and find out why am I doing these things? What is so wrong with my life that I need to escape everything that I've built for myself? And, you know, the the programs in recovery of just really just working on me. There's so much resilience and so much, I have so much love and respect for people in recovery because we're doing really freaking hard work. And until we get to those places of really having to take an inventory on our lives and where we got here and resolving and processing and grieving and and learning what happened to us without shame and finding compassion and curiosity and building a better life for ourselves was the key to me really finding my voice and finding my purpose, that I don't have to do this and I don't have to do this alone. And I'm not defined by my addiction or the worst mistake I ever made. And I just celebrated six years in sobriety and in recovery. And I am just, you know, shouting it from the rooftops of that, you know what? There's no face to addiction and this disease does not discriminate and nobody is immune. And I say doctors and pilots and lawyers, it doesn't matter who it is or who you are or how much status or money you have, that this addiction creeps in and it can take all of us down faster than quicksand if we're not having conversations that matter around awareness and the progression of any of these substances. And so, you know, I've written some books and I have these conversations with companies and, and, you know, just individuals like us of just, wow, awareness is a huge piece of this, is that we can normalize people living a life that's clean and sober, and that is just as fulfilling, if not more fulfilling than doing these small things that become big things later and so you know that's a little bit about me and where i came from and just you know motherhood is really freaking hard and i wish somebody would have just told me your expectations of what you can do for yourself before and after having one two three kids is that we will always fall short from what we expect from ourselves And if we can readjust our expectations of what it looks like in any facet of our life, in any different season, because we're evolving and constantly becoming a different version, is that I can't do the same things that I was able to do without children and without all of these expectations. And I think there's this idea of perfectionism and having to look like we have it all together and expected to do all of it beautifully without flaws is just completely false. And so many women fall into that trap. And I wanna be here to let people know that it's okay to do it messy and that life can be chaotic and it doesn't have to be perfect. Is that our kids at the end of the day of being a child of an alcoholic, we just want them to be present. We don't care if we're having you know, macaroni and cheese for the third time in a row. As long as we're there,
0: that's all our kiddos really want. Wow! 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 <laughs> Amazing. Wow! Amazing story. I don't even know where to start digging in. Cause I mean, truly, just so much was said there. And congratulations to you, um, on just your journey, your your journey down this road to get to six years, to become the woman that you are, to become the inspirator, the leader, and everything that you went through. You know, um, I always say that. Everybody's rock bottom looks different, and there's and like you said, there's many faces to to recovery, there's many faces to this disease, and it will take anybody down quicker than quicksand. I like. Uh, I wanna I wanna dive into something you said that really grabbed me, but I think the the listeners would actually like appreciate so much is make 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 this practical for me, and, and the listeners adjusting our expectations of ourselves whether that's in recovery and motherhood parenthood and life like when we show up how we show up how do we how do we go from having these high expectations of what we think we can do what we know we can do and what we want to do versus to who we are and what we're capable of to our strengths and our limitation
1: absolutely <clears throat> and i like the analogy that somebody created of like juggling life, right? I don't, I really don't like the word balance. Like balance what? Like when I'm writing books, I can't be there as much for my kiddos. And when I'm in kiddo season, I can't be there for my business or to hire my education or to do something you know, else. Like it was, it's basically like, there's so many balls in the air that you're juggling. And You have to hold tight and hold dear to the balls that are glass, the ones that are going to break and shatter the plastic balls, let them go. What does that mean? Maybe that means friendship. Maybe that means the gym. Maybe, you know, that means eating all organic. It's like, what are the things that are the most important that you need to hold tight during this particular season of life? Right? And so it was, it can be, anything that is that for you like my education can go on the side for now or I have this dream of being a DJ awesome keep that compartmentalize that but right now I have to show up for my family and my recovery because if I don't if I'm not sober I don't have any of this I'm going to be behind bars right I'm no good to anybody in that situation and so it's so important to say I get that you want to be able to have a four course meal and you want to be able to pick up your kids and drop them off from school. But unfortunately, my bandwidth isn't that much. So I have to swallow my pride and I have to call the neighbor and say, can we carpool? You know, I have to go and tell my kid that there can't be three extracurricular activities because I can't afford it. And I can't take you to all of those activities right now. So my expectation of wanting to fill that need for my kid and have that done, I have to say it can only be one right now, right? And that's hard to be able to adjust things that people are used to, but it's just for right now. It doesn't mean forever. And so just remember that if you were able to do these certain things and work overtime and gain more money, right now you need to be home with your kiddo and so it's just for a little bit that it might look different this isn't forever and i think especially with parenthood it feels like people tell us that oh my gosh like soak up every moment this is going to be so it's going to go by so quick in a blink of an eye and i would sit there and be like if i hear that one more freaking time i am so exhausted The kid, you know, won't sleep. I'm, you know, it's just like, it's so overwhelming in that moment that it's hard to remember to stick with the basics. You know, the hierarchy of need, it is rest, sleep, hydrate, and just freaking have shelter and be kind to yourself. So whatever our expectations are, limit those. Like, they're all different, you know? So it's so hard to say what they're supposed to be, but just remember that we're a different version of ourselves than we were. And so write those down and just remember what is truly important of those glass balls that can't fall. And all those plastic ones, keep inventory and put them to the side. And eventually we're gonna be able to like reintroduce those like, you know, a diet or, you know, be able to actually get back out in the gym and not have to do that work in the house while we're raising little kiddos or we're we're in rehab, so we have to use the gym there. Like we can improvise. We're freaking intelligent, creative human beings. Just don't get stuck on this is how life's always going to be. This is the worst thing ever. And so I'm just going to medicate and isolate my way through this life that I thought that I wanted. So hang tight, my friends. I promise it gets so much better.
0: You and one, if y'all didn't catch that, she just gave you a system. Limit the expectations. Because me, when I think of myself, I'll put myself like, all right, Jay, you can do this, 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 this. I'm like, no, I got to come up with a system and stay focused on what it is that I want. So I have my my top eight for the week, and then I have my top six for the day. And those top six are gonna close the gap for the top eight, and the top eight's gonna close the gap for the main goal. And the main goal is what I'm working towards so that why it has to be evident. And I love the way that you put that of juggling life in those crystal glass balls that you have to keep dear. And the plastic ones that you have to look at is, is this important or urgent? Is this urgent and not important? Is this important and not urgent? Like you gotta categorize, and a lot of people can't do that. They can't tell themselves to rest. They can't tell themselves to stop. They can't tell themselves that it's okay to be with my kid right now. It's okay to not go speak at five different locations, right? Like that's that's what I'm battling with as as I transition into a fatherhood, You know, last year we're speaking everywhere. We're speaking all over. Every day we got a speaking engagement. We're doing. We're shooting content. You know, we're we're interviewing now. It's pool. Hey, Michelle, can we do this another day? I think I'm having a baby, right? And now it's like, hey, um, you need to go be present with your kid. Absolutely. But that thing, anything that you deem important can be juggled, because we all have the same 24 hours in the day. And that's just the way that I think. Um, Let me let me transition because you didn't got me all fired up here. (laughs) But um, if you could put a smell to the last six years of your recovery, what would it be
1: a smell?
0: Yeah.
1: Ooh, so the last six years of my recovery. That's a good question. Creative question. Gosh. I I would say if I could think of a word, it would be freedom. If I could literally think of like a scent. Is that what you're talking about? Am I okay? I that's a hard one. I'm gonna go with between vanilla and coconut. And that is the smell of freedom for me. And it's funny that you ask that because, you know, I would do this with my clients. Little um twist on this is that I am a substance abuse counselor by day who fell into the addiction. You know, again, hint, it doesn't discriminate. And so, you know, I'm teaching relapse prevention classes in a maximum security prison as I'm finding Pruno in the ceilings, yelling at half the guys, and then I can't wait to get home and drink my freaking third bottle of wine. But I would tell them, like, literally envision this smell. Like, what is your happy place? How can we bring your anxiety or your frustration down? Like, literally close your eyes and just smell. And what brings me the most peace where I have spent as much time as I can is by the water. And for me, vanilla and coconut, I literally can just like close my eyes and bring myself back to this place of Zen, if I'm getting riled up or, you know, this jackass cut me off in traffic, literally, Michelle, what are you gonna do about it? Like, just hold yourself, right? Distress tolerance, you know, don't cut your nose despite your face, sit in the distress, I promise it's not gonna kill you. What you can do is make the situation worse. Let's not squeeze those lemons in our eyes. So I literally will sit down and envision the smell of vanilla and coconut, or the sound of waves that brings me the freedom to say, you know what, Michelle, you don't have power and control over a lot of things that happen into your life. What you do have control over is how you choose to deal with a situation you're powerless over. And so whether I can get to the beach, have that open fresh air, or literally sit in the prison in the bathroom and just envision the smell of it, it really brings me back to how hard I work and the tools that I have access to. But no matter how hard anything is in that moment, I'm going to get through it as long as I don't drink.
0: See, and that's why that's so important. I always I, I always ask people that question. It's One, it, it makes you think that what is something that you cling to in that time of need, you know what I mean? And uh, but it started with me asking, if your childhood had a smell, what would it be? And it would always take my clients back to this place of like, if I had to put one, one smell on my entire childhood, and it was always their favorite memory, you know. And it's that it's that happy place. It's always that, you know, or some, you know, it's 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 wonderful. Like mine, like growing up in Texas, completely poor. My childhood, my childhood smell was cinnamon toast bread, like toasted from the oven with like butter and actual cinnamon on it that my sister made. And that would take me back there to have that gratitude and appreciation of where I am now and what I have in my life now, and not wanting that more or wanting to lose what I have, right? I, you know, it's super interesting that you do substance abuse and in prisons because that's where my story started. In 2017, I woke up in a jail cell and went to prison for six months. And then I came out and and completely sober now. But it, it's so interesting that there was none of that in where I was. So what you're doing is so needed and that's why i do what i do because there was not what we do when i went where i did yeah. and i was like wow so props to you i absolutely love that um thinking about your life now where you are where you've been what you've done what you're doing if you could make a 20 second phone call to your future self what would you say
1: i would say i would say keep fighting for your goals like just do the things that are left on your bucket list that are that scare the heck out of you do it and don't let any of the naysayers or anybody else come out of the woodwork and tell you that you're not worthy enough or that you can't have it all my mission is not done by any means and so i think you know when i get so far i just need to remind myself that you're doing you're doing everything that you are supposed to be doing, and that you are aligned to be able to do, and just don't stop, don't cave, don't give in. Especially as an entrepreneur, it's so freaking hard. Um, and the, you know, I, I want to say the more success we have, the more people try to sabotage and tell you that, you know, there's this is the way you're supposed to do it, or you know, you're not good enough, or you. Know, you know you've you know, had enough hardship or you're too privileged it's like freaking forget it you know so I have to remind myself every single day that I am here but I am making a difference um, because my disease and naysayers want to tell me difference and so that's what I'm going to continue to tell myself is just to keep freaking going there's more work that needs to be done
0: I love it I love it because uh, that's what I tell myself every single day, no matter if I feel like getting up or not, it's there's work to be done and it's not about me. Right. It's 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 so it's so much more than that. It's always about the bigger picture. And I love that you can confidently answer that talking to your future self. Did you know like 83% of people do not have a relationship with their future self at all? Yeah.
1: I, I totally I, that doesn't surprise me.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, when I found that out and I was like, Oh, that that was my problem coming from prison, all I knew was, hey, I don't wanna go back and I wanna do what anybody needs me to do in order not to go back. So I didn't know what looking at the future looked like. I didn't know what striving for something more looked like. I didn't know what working for something actually looked like. But it's so much self-love when you're able to pour into service of something that's bigger than you that you actually love and wanna give back into. Absolutely love that. Um, I I wanna ask you if because you seem like you're, you're very self-aware. Probably self-assess a lot, right? You know you yourself, do. you go through you go through the practices. Um what what are some of your top practices that help you one cope now but to also help you maintain the mindset of moving forward?
1: Yeah. You know, I think taking time to to pause and just to really check in with myself because I'm not numb anymore. I'm actually able to like realize like what triggers me, what makes me happy, what makes me excited, you know. And I, really, just the awareness piece and the coping tools, you know. I, a lot of people don't know about like CBT and DBT, which are just cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. And it's just like, how can I? I love myself now, right? Like I. When you're using and drinking and drugging, all the things, we don't like the people that we are. And so how are we able to look 20 minutes into the future and assess who we want to be when we're not even happy with the person that we see in the mirror? You know, it's like, I hated myself. Like I literally was so disgusted, like I couldn't kill myself, like it wasn't working. And I was like, okay, well, eventually, like, there's a reason that God wants you here. There's a reason that you're still here. Like yeah, you, you don't have a cat, you don't have nine lives, so you better freaking figure it out. But it's like, you know, so that awareness piece of like, I'm not going to like pick myself apart anymore. I'm just gonna say, you know what, if I'm not using, I, I'm a good person, I'm showing up and being better than I was yesterday, that's enough. It comes back down to again, like you can only do so much in 24 hours. How do you want to give back? How do you want to show up? How do you want to leave a legacy? And are you proud of what you did today, right? And how are you going to reinvent yourself tomorrow and do maybe just a little bit better? So that, that kind of therapy and treatment modality is really, really important to me. And I ask people, I want to know, how did I do on this? How, how can I better improve myself? And how can I show up and be a better person tomorrow? Therapy, medication, you know? When I had to utilize that as a tool, like these are all just tools in my toolbox, you know, programs. I have to be held accountable. I have to have a fellowship. I have to have like-minded people who get it because there's people that we love, friends, family, they don't freaking get it. And that's not their job to get addiction and recovery. I have my people that know that and who are gonna respect and walk alongside of me. They're gonna root for me a different way than the love that I have for my family who just don't get it, but support it. So there's so many treatment modalities that we can just use. And we're, again, going to use different ones at different times, depending on the season of life. So, you know, if we're scared to look inward because of who we've become, the choices we've made, we are not defined by our worst mistake and the worst thing that we've ever done ever. Like we cannot tally our mistakes and not walk alongside of the, like just the victories that we've done because we always just want to look at the bad, not the good, because that's that's being cocky. That's being too overly confident. And it's like, is it though? Or is it just giving yourself some mad love and respect that you freaking deserve? Because all you do is hate on yourself for everything that you're falling short for in life. And that's not fair.
0: That's good. That's good. That's good. So <laughs> yeah. If, if y'all didn't catch it, pause, take a moment, reflect, and then really design your life and what you want and where you want to go and how you're going to do those things. Um, absolute, I absolutely love that. If you took away all the trials, the tribulations, all the successes, all the books, all the all, all the inspiration, if you took it all away, who are you and why are you here?
1: saying i'm still sober and stuff if i just didn't have those particular successes or if i was still using
0: just as a person just holy if you took away the titles took away the successes took away the trials and tribulations for me i am um people have labeled me a felon failure quitter uh and going through the life of success of builder of Salesman, top performer, things like that, if I took away all the trials and tribulations and all of the successes and I took away everything that has ever, I think, shaped me in this world, I believe I exist to operate with generosity and unconditional love, but follow with care and understanding. I love that. I love
1: that. You know, I think deep down to the core of who I am, I've always... I've always been a nurturer and a caretaker, and I'm so much a humanitarian. That's what I'm labeled as in the prisons. Like I'm just, I see the best in everybody, and I'm freaking root for the underdog because though we're just we're all incredible people. Like you said, even without the titles, some people don't want those titles, you know. And I think for me, it's just all about service and being authentic. I'm a mom, I'm a human being that freaking is gonna make a mistake every single day. But you know, as long as I'm there and I'm here for the right reasons, I'm freaking winning. I'm freaking winning. All that all that these books and speaking and titles and all the stuff it does, is it just, it's a tool. It gives us a tool to reach more people, right? To inspire more to the masses. But we're doing this, we are the same freaking people. Um, and so that's yeah I guess that's what I would say without all that is just that I'm I'm Michelle and who I am is a person who freaking wants to live and who wants to know that there's hope for the hopeless and that things can always get better and they always do so I'm gonna stay grounded as much as I can and my guys that I work with keep me grounded um and I'm just gonna keep on shining regardless of freaking how many followers and how many books and how many you know, that's, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me, honestly. Um, it just allows me to reach the people who need to hear my story and that they're not alone and that there is hope.
0: And I love that. And I truly believe that each and every one of everybody's story has the power to change someone's. Life. So my story is not gonna reach everybody and, and you're gonna be able to reach people that I'm not gonna be able to reach. Mm-hmm. There's people that are going to listen to this podcast that resonate with your story more than they resonate with my story or resonate with my story more than they resonate with your story, but it doesn't matter because it's each and each story has the power to change someone's life and it needs to be, and it needs to be heard. So I absolutely love the way that you put that. It's a platform. It's a platform to be heard for those people who are supposed to hear it, right? And no matter if that's that's, uh, 500 people or 2 million people or anywhere between, you know, it just depends on who needs to hear. There's hope for the hopeless. I love the way that you put that, that you put that because you know, I'll go into a recovery center and I'm I'm speaking life into them and I'm like, hey, before I walk in, I, I rarely ever, you know, write anything down or like like write a keynote out. I just walk in, I'm like, what do you think they really need to hear right now? And and the person who brought me in would say, You need hope. Need hope. And that's it. Like, and and if you feel like, yo, I'm at the end. I'm at my rock bottom whatever that may look like not every rock bottom looks like a prison or a hospital bed your rock bottom is when you decide to stop digging it and decide to look upward but if you feel like you're there just that like there's hope and reach out to people there's people like michelle out there there's people like me out there there's people that anyone i've interviewed on this podcast but reach out to us and, and here's michelle we tell everybody how they can get in touch with you how they can connect with you how they can pick up your book or whatever it may be. Shameless plug, I guess. But just tell people how to how to how to connect and how to find that hope within you.
1: Yes. So you can find me on all platforms and my website at Recovery is the new black. And I, you know, specialize in, you know, the women's side of it where there's a private Facebook group for women that can come and, you know, it just got really big having those conversations on a different social media platform. I wanted to bring it somewhere where it was a little bit more safe and sacred for those conversations to happen. Um, And my book is called Living Sober, Living Free, which is a guided journal for women who want to stop drinking. And that's available everywhere now where books are sold. So, um, yeah, hit me up at my website and I'm going to continue to be on platforms and speaking my message and spreading awareness because conversations like this, Jay, that we're having, these conversations... They save lives. And this is awareness, talking about these things, mental health, substance abuse, the stigma. It is shining light on those gremlins to let people know that they're not alone. And, you know, we can get off that rock bottom elevator wherever we want. We can declare this as a rock bottom. Um, And, you know, one thing I did want to say when you were talking um, about going in and speaking in rehab facilities and stuff, it's like, you know, those messages plant seeds, you know, seeds of hope. And I've had inmates call me that have been released decades and they're just like, you know, I'm doing really good. And I'm just like, you know, I just, I, I know that you're all doing good unless I see you come back through intake, you know? And for me, it's like, you know, what changed? It's like the messages from like, you know, rehab that I went to and hospitals that I went to and all of this, nothing nothing was different in the messages. It was just, I was ready to hear it. I w- it was my time. So if we continue to have these conversations, we're planting seeds and eventually, it's gonna, that's why it's like this, it's never this big aha moment. It's just like you wake up and you're just like, I'm done. I don't know what just happened. I don't know why I want something different for my life, but I do. And if we run with that momentum and we have people like us that they can look up to and they can just reach out to, that's where the beauty of the magic happens. So um, those are where you can find me. And um, I'm just grateful to be able to keep using my voice. And I'm grateful that I freaking decided that I wanted to live, so that other people can know that they're not alone and that they can get through this.
0: I love that, and it's so important. That I, I decided I wanted to live. I always tell people that, yo, this, this choice is life or death. It was life or death for me. If I mm-hmm. if I picked up a bottle, I'd go do 11 years in prison. Yep. And I was like, yo, I had to make a choice. I had to make a decision. I had rules to follow. And I could either say yes or no, and it was life or death. Jay, how'd you make it through? Jay, did you have a slip? Absolutely not, because I made it life or death. Mm-hmm. I didn't want my freedom taken from me for 11 years.
1: Yep, that's I, exactly I, it.
0: You know what I mean? And so it, it, when you make the decision to live, and you can't, you can I, I, I truly believe, I truly believe that as human beings, that we are so powerful. We're the only creature on this planet that can create. Like and we can create a new life anytime that we want to. You know what I mean? Like it, it's 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 truly, truly, truly beautiful. Um, thank you. Thank you for joining me on the show. I mean, honestly, I wanna I, I wanna dive more into it. I feel like we've been having this conversation for two hours, but I know, right? <laughs> Part <laughs> two you.
1: will be coming in the future.
0: Please, yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, I could do this regularly. This is amazing. Um one one last thing. If you had to put three core principles that you have built your recovery on, that you could probably pass off to somebody else that would help them get started in recovery, get started in building their life better, you know, what were the, what are those three principles to explore for you?
1: I would say the first one would be awareness. Without awareness, there's nothing. You have to be able to look inward and you have to be able to figure out what's gotten you here. Um, Because if you don't have awareness into what's landed you here, you can't create a plan to get yourself to where you need to be next. And so awareness is huge clarity. You know, you have to have clarity on your position, your part, your ownership, in order to be able to truly make a change and own your stuff, even if somebody else is never gonna come around to own theirs. You know, people who hurt us, it's like hurt people hurt people. We hear about all the time and the person who hurt me isn't responsible for healing me. I am, I have to find that healing journey on my own. And then I would say probably the third one would be accountability. I freaking died, almost died trying to figure this out on my own thinking I can keep it under wraps. Isolation, you know, secrets, they keep us sick. And we all hear the opposite of addiction is connection. And without community and fellowship and knowing that I have people who are going to, they're not policing me, they're holding me accountable because if I I couldn't hold myself accountable, right? And until I could, I needed that. And there are seasons where I still need that. So I would say awareness, clarity, and, um, and, you know, accountability and community are my three core, like just abilities to like those tier systems of how my foundation is built. Mm
0: -hmm. Your, your, your fundamental needs and sobriety. Right. The foundation. Right. The foundation, right. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Awareness, clarity, and accountability in community. Yo, I, I'm huge on accountability. So you guys aren't just hearing it from me. You're hearing it from me. Michelle Smith as well, founder uh, and creator of Recovery Is the New Black. Please, please check.